the pressure that was on me, not just to get all this done. Like if I didn't get all these things done, I would be sent to bed without dinner. I wouldn't be allowed food. So there was also that added like stress of if I don't get this done, I don't eat. Hello, you are listening to NPE Stories. This is a podcast where NPEs can share their story. I am your host, Lily, and I found out I was an NPE through an ancestry DNA test that changed my life forever. NPE is a term that stands for not parent expected or non-paternal event. This means that one or more of our parents are not who we believe them to be. NPE Stories is a podcast where NPEs can share their story of what their original family was like, how they found out they were an NPE, and what their journey has been like since the day they found out. Welcome to episode 124. At the very beginning today, I wanted to mention a resource that was really helpful to me. It is a documentary called Reckoning with the Primal Wound. And I watched this documentary two weekends ago. It is by an adoptee named Rebecca Autumn Sampson. She is the filmmaker. She was at this retreat. It was a high wraith hope and healing retreat for NPEs and adoptees. And during this documentary, I bawled my eyes out. You know, when you're in a room and you're trying to hold back tears because there's people around you and you and you don't want to feel uncomfortable letting out all your emotion. And that that's what I was doing. And finally, at the end of watching Reckoning with the Primal Wound, someone next to me was like, are you okay? And I'm like, no, I'm not okay. <laughs> and they just gave me the biggest hug and I was just able to finally release. And um, this this documentary really touched me. So I feel even though it's an adoptee documentary, I wanted to mention it to the NPE world and the donor conceived people world as well. It, I mean, you really have to see it to understand, but it talks about being raised in a family um, that, you know, does not have the same genetic identity as you. You're not your biological family and how that, how those feelings resonate within you, some of the trauma, Um, it was, it was heartwarming because Rebecca or Autumn, as she goes by now, actually finds her birth mother and records a lot of that experience during this documentary. So wonderful film. I believe you can find it online. We did on someone's computer and then we just attached it to the TV. Uh, so everyone could watch it at the retreat I was at reckoning with the primal wound.com. This film touches on, well, quite a bit on the book. The Primal Wound, who is written by an adoptee mother, Nancy Verrier, or maybe it's pronounced Nancy Verrier, which is an amazing book, and she really understands adoption trauma. So I will put information to that documentary in the show description. And thank you, Rebecca Autumn Sampson, for putting all your all this work. I know you self-funded and made this film yourself, and it was really amazing. I loved it. And on this podcast, we listen to NPEs share their story. And today I have an NPE with me. I have Stacy. Hi, Stacy. Hi. How are you? Very nervous. <laughs> right? I, I totally get that. I have some nerves frequently myself. Uh, thank you for being willing to share your story today. Thank you for having this podcast. 
it seriously helped me in a time where <laughs> I think every anyone that's an NP understands like it helped in such a beautiful way where therapy couldn't. Oh. Um, even in the groups, I found that it would just actually make me more angry. So I had to step away and kind of distance myself from the groups for a little while. Now I can be in them and and give better perspective. But in the beginning, this is actually, this podcast specifically is what helped me. I've listened to every single episode. Oh, that's so sweet. Oh, yes. Thank you, Stacy, for mentioning that. I, I too have had to step away from the group sometimes because there are some strong opinions. And I get the same feeling as you. Just listening to people share their story is something I can nod along with and identify with. Exactly. Well, I think it's also my learning style too is um, through like audio and stuff. And so I think that's also part of my coping possibly. I don't know. <laughs> me me too. I that's I, I like to listen. I'll put my phone in my back pocket and go about my my yes. chores. Yeah. Yes, same. <laughs> okay, Miss Stacy, why don't we have you start at the beginning or wherever you want to start? I know you have some bullet points in front of you you can refer to. Okay. But why don't you let me know about your family of origin and take it from there? I want to say that I am one of my coping mechanisms is I will laugh at inappropriate times. So at any point <laughs> when people are listening to my story, they're like, well, that's weird. Why is she laughing there? That's inappropriate. That is my way of coping and not crying. So Aww. apologies in advance. <laughs> that's cute. No, I get what you're saying. I definitely, I know that about myself, but I still like, I like to tell people so they're not put off. <laughs> yep. Yep. I get it. Um, okay. So my story, I was always told that my mom and dad met in college. And I will say that I will refer to birth certificate father as dad. And I will refer to, um, biological father as bio dad. I won't use names. Um, so my mother and my, um, dad met in college she told me that they were out partying one night at the club and it was like a date or something. And, um, it was a one night stand. Well, then later found out she's pregnant. So he said that he did the right thing. He wanted to marry her. So they got married because of me and they were only married maybe a year, not very long. Um, I actually don't know exactly They've told me, but I don't remember exactly when they got divorced. Um, I know when I was four, she remarried to my stepdad and they had two kids, my little sisters. My middle sister was born when I was eight. And then my youngest sister was born when I was 10. Um, and I absolutely loved being a big sister. My my dad actually never had any more children, so it was, I went from being an only child to now finally having siblings. And I was very excited about that. Um, also before I get too far ahead of myself, my dad, um, I was the only grandchild. My, uh, his sister, my aunt never had children. So I was the only child, only grandchild on that side. So I was beyond excited to be able to have siblings on my mother's side. Um, very much 
motherly to them to the point that that's actually something I have been working on the last few years, like stepping away and not being a mother to them because I grew up being such a big part of their life when they were little. I had to take a step away from being a mother to my sisters because it was becoming a problem for me. I had to understand that they were not my children. As much as I love them, I still had boundary issues and that is what I've been working on with them. But it's because we didn't really learn boundaries growing up. Um, And because um, they will even tell you that um, a lot of the things I did when they were children was the mother role. I bathed them. I helped make sure they were fed. I made sure their homework was done. Um, I did their laundry dishes. Like I, I took care of them when they were sick. I would take care of them. I remember when they got the chicken pox, um, I had to bathe them completely, mother them and take care of them because my mother had this belief that I needed to have the chicken pox, which I had already had them small, but she didn't believe that I had. As a teenager, being a parent is not something that you want to do. I'm trying to juggle being a parent to them, juggle school, trying to be social and have a social life, but not actually being able to. And then trying to keep up with all of that was a little bit too much. But I think not having those boundaries as a kid, I got to be a little bit controlling in their lives as they got older. And I've apologized to them. Like we've had long conversations about it. Like, I'm sorry that I I was this way and I understand. And I'm trying to take a step back and be better now (laughs) as a person. Um, It's not easy because I don't have children now. So I still feel like they are my children, even though they are my sisters. But that eight and and 10 year gap um, between us definitely makes a, a difference as far as being that older sister role versus motherly role in their lives. When I was 14 years old, uh, my mom and my stepdad sat me down and uh, they said that they had something very serious to tell me. And that um, like, as a kid, I'm thinking, Oh my gosh, like 14 years old, is it going to be embarrassing? Oh, I don't know. (laughs) But they sat me down. They said, um, my mom said, look, when I was 16, I had to give a baby up for adoption. So you have a brother out there. I just wanted you to know. And then proceeds to tell me that I'm not allowed to tell anyone, like, especially my sisters, I'm not allowed to tell them they can't know. And so I had this burden of keeping this secret, um, which I feel, I mean, I'm grateful that I got to know that he existed, but to put that kind of burden on a teenager when you're not allowed to tell your younger siblings, because I mean, she made it clear that I was to never, ever tell them, no matter what age they were, she never wanted them to know. But that's actually what, what put me on the path that I'm on right now is because I went looking for this brother. And found a whole new, a whole nother family. So a little more about growing up. When I was 16, uh, things were pretty rough at home. I never felt 
like I could be a teenager. I never felt like I could be a kid. I mean, you know, then there was that normal parent, you know, uh, resentment of, oh, I can't do this and boundaries of, oh, I, a mom doesn't want me to do anything. <laughs> I'm talking, I couldn't spend the night at friends' houses. I wasn't allowed to go to the movies. Um, I know most kids, they're like, yeah, I went to a party. I never went to my first party until college. <laughs> like I was it, considering I was a really sheltered, good kid. I'm not saying I was perfect. I was not, but, um, like looking back, I think most parents would have been happy with the normal amount of angsty teenager I was. <laughs> I think the level in which I was sheltered to the point that I was told we couldn't have the internet. I was told that WWW stood for 666 and it was the devil and we were not allowed to have the internet. Um, I grew up very in a very religious home and I have a lot of religion um like uh, it's almost like religious abuse as a child and i hate to even say it as that but that's that really is what it is and so that trauma has really carried carried over into my adult life but having that like everything everything in my life as a child like i was told that i couldn't do things because god told us or told our mother that i couldn't do these things I mean, everything was used against me. Um, I would be grounded for even uh, stepping off the grass or something. I mean, just crazy, bizarre things I would get grounded for and not be able to do. And it was just an excuse for her to keep me home and take care of my sisters so that they could go out and do the things that they wanted to do and have their in-home babysitter. At least that's how I felt. Not, like, And it got to the point when I was 16 years old, I broke down, had a, this horrible night. So in the South, I don't know if they do this in the North, but in the South, you know, they have uh, revivals at church. I don't know if they still do. Um, mm. I don't go to that denomination anymore, but I know that, let's see. So you would go to church Sunday morning, Sunday night and Wednesday night. So three times a week. And then when revival hit, you went Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night. I mean, you went every night. And I think this was, a memory serves me correct. It was a, probably a Tuesday night because I feel like we had already gone several times and I can't remember exactly what night it was, but it was one night we were getting ready for revival and I hadn't finished my homework. I hadn't finished doing all the chores because I did all the laundry for everyone in the home did all the cleaning for everybody in the home. No one pitched in. It was just me. The, the girls were too young at that point, but my mom and stepdad put everything on me. Oh. And I was folding the laundry. I still hadn't finished my homework. And my stepdad approached me and said, you're not ready for church. And I said, well, I, I have all this. I have to get done. The, the pressure that was on me, not just to get all this done. Like if I didn't get all these things done, I would be sent to bed without dinner. Like I, I wouldn't be allowed food. So there was also that added like stress of if I don't get this done, I don't eat. And so I looked at him and said, I can't go. I still have all this to do. And from a man who I don't, when I say it, it sounds, <laughs> it almost sounds silly, 
But from someone who doesn't cuss and is very religious, he looked at me and he called me a witch and told me that I was um, this horrible human being and that he didn't want me around his daughters. Hmm. That like how horrible of this person that I couldn't go to church, but which punishment is going to be worse? (laughs) At this point, I had already had my bags, all of my bags packed for two weeks, but they never went into my room. I shared my room with my two sisters and they never told uh, my mom or our mom and their dad that I had my bags packed. Like they kept that secret for me. And that night I called my dad and I just begged him. I said, please, I can't do this anymore. Like I, you know, this is what happened. And he said, okay, I want you to call your grandmother. He said, you are not going to live in that house anymore. And so I called my grandmother, which was my mother's mom. And she said, okay, this is the plan. <laughs> she said, tomorrow, I want you to, uh, or tonight, go ahead and pack a clothes for a few nights. She said, I know you got your bags packed, but just pack for a few nights and take it to school with you. And then when you get out of school, uh, you're going to be dropped off at my house instead. And I never went back. I lived with her until she passed away in 2008. Like I, I, I don't know where I would be without my, my dad and my mom's mom. Like those two people were such a huge influence and had a huge impact on my life. Oh, my heart just, my heart just breaks for you hearing that sort of treatment. It's yeah, it, it wasn't easy. And I've worked, I've been in therapy a few different times and trying to find the right therapist. I'm hoping I found the right one right now. (laughs) We'll see. Okay. So after I moved out, my mom was furious. I left her this letter explaining why I left. And she was absolutely furious because I think... Looking back now, I think why she was so upset is she was terrified that she was going to lose the money that my dad was giving her in child support every month. And that's how I'd always felt like she would always make it clear exactly how much she got every month from my dad. And anytime I needed something, like as, as soon as she would get paid that child support, she would go and buy my sister's things. And, and I would say, okay, well, I need some stuff. She's like, you can ask your dad for that. I mean, I remember going shopping and her buying all of them new clothes and stuff. And then I'd have to get hand-me-downs from neighbors or I'd have to wait until the summertime when I was with my dad for him to buy me all these things. Sorry, that hit, <laughs> that hit me. And with all of that, I never resented my sisters. I know a lot of people may have found a way to resent their sisters, but I loved them. I love them so much that I could never resent them for that. It wasn't their fault. I think I I did have a lot of resentment. I do have a lot of resentment towards my mother for that. And I've tried to forgive her over the years. I tried to be understanding and I just, 
never could understand why I was treated so differently. I understand now, but <laughs> then I didn't. Oh. So my dad, give a little bit about him. He was amazing. He wasn't the perfect dad. He was definitely a perfect dad for me. So when I was 18 years old, I moved in with my dad. He lived in Memphis at the time. So I moved up from Louisiana. I think I skipped that whole part. <laughs> hey, I'm from Louisiana. <laughs> and uh, so I had this plan that since I had never been allowed to move in and live with him, I, um, I was going to live with him when I went to college. So as soon as I turned 18, um, no more child support. There's nothing like holding me back, being told that I can't do anything. Uh, so I moved up there and I'm so grateful that I did because I got to spend that time with him. Now we butted heads like any parent in childhood, <laughs> especially the only, the longest amount of time we had ever lived together had been two months. So to now be actually long-term living, I lasted five months. <laughs> we had butted so much. And then I moved back to Louisiana and moved back in with my grandmother, my mom's mom. Um, my dad and I still were very close, even though we butted heads. Um, we, I mean, I talked to him at least once a day. Like we talked every day, um, sometimes two to three times a day. Like he was one of my best friends, um, along with my grandmother, you know, even though I lived with her, like I could be in school and I had taught her how to text <laughs> and I'd be texting in college, texting to her. I think that was the cutest thing. <laughs> um, uh, now I want to say a little more about my grandmother and how amazing she was as far as like raising me and type of personality she was. Um, when I was little, she had this gift store and um, she would dress up as characters to go to birthday parties and she would dress me up and I would go with her. So as young as like five years old, I dressed up as a clown and would go out with her to these clowning gigs. <laughs> and I, I just thought that was normal. <laughs> um, and then when I turned 14, I had asked my mom if I could, um, you know, have things and, and she would tell me that, um, you know, either my dad had to buy it for me or she's like, you can get a job. So I took that as okay. So I immediately went to my grandmother and she's like, all right, if you want to start learning how to be a clown or be characters, she would send me out to birthday parties. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I dressed up as so many different things. Um, clown was my biggest or my most popular one. Um, the kids loved me. I, which is crazy because I was a super shy kid. But as soon as I put that clown makeup on and that clown outfit, um, which my grandmother sewed and made specifically for me, um, <laughs> as soon as I would put that on, it's like I turned into this whole other person, this like full of life person, which now I don't need the clown makeup for. <laughs> I still tell people the only... <laughs> 
I don't know how to apply normal makeup because the only makeup that I ever learned how to apply was clown makeup. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's precious. So even though I had like all those like really bad moments growing up and living in my mom's home, I had this outlet with my grandmother, um, which was really grounding for me, but also really helped create, or I don't want to say create my personality, um, but kind of helped me feel confident in my personality. Um, (laughs) Because my personality is big. (laughs) And people that know me will say that. Um, (laughs) But yeah, that's, a lot of kids in high school, that's how they knew me was the girl that uh, was a clown. <laughs> my best friend in high school was terrified of clowns. My senior year, actually three days after I graduated high school, in the newspaper is an article of me as a clown um, talking about my grandmother and her store and a huge picture of me as a clown. Just, I was mortified because... Um, my friends and stuff and my teachers knew that I was a clown, but like the, the, all the popular kids and all of that, like they would have bullied me and been (laughs) awful. So I'm glad like it came out after I graduated. (laughs) 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 Oh gosh. Oh, so that's the type of relationship, you know, this fun, full of life. Like that's who she helped me become, but that's who she was as well. Um, she and I had an incredible relationship and I honestly am, am beyond grateful that I had her to be a mother figure when mine was never that for me. Um, and actually through, through therapy, I've learned that my mom is a narcissist and a lot of the stuff that I, happened when I was younger is, is because of that. And I didn't understand that until now. Um, which I'm sure that a lot of NPEs can relate to not saying that all their moms are, but I know some can relate to that. So in 2007, my dad passed away. Um, at the time I didn't understand, you know, he and I, like we, we spoke all the time. Like, I mean, every day we spoke and when I lost that, oh, it broke me. It broke my heart because I absolutely, I loved my dad. I was a daddy's girl through and through (laughs) when he passed away. I, because I was the only child, the only grandchild, I, I thought, okay, well, I still have my grandfather, his dad. Well, he disowned me like a few months after, and I didn't understand why. Now I do. <laughs> I think because they all knew, and I didn't. His So my grandfather, my aunt, they both just completely dropped out of my life. Um, and my dad's two best friends who had been a huge part of my life. Like they were there at every milestone and supported me and helped me to the point where my, um, I called them aunt and uncle. And so my dad's, uh, best friend, 
she would actually drive by while I was in high school and leave money in the mailbox for me, cash money. My dad would send to her to put in the mailbox for me. So before I would go to school, I could get money and have money for food because my mom refused to um, pay for lunches at school. So I wouldn't be able to eat lunch. So that that's the type of dad. My He would go out of his way and and his best friend would go out of her way to help me. And as soon as he passed away, she turned on me and completely acted as though uh, I was nobody. Like I, she had been such a huge part of my life and his roommate as well. I called him my uncle. He also like right after they passed, or he passed away. I went to my dad's house and was just trying to collect a few of his things that, you know, I, I'm his he didn't have a wife <laughs> and I was his heir and they wouldn't allow me in the home. They said they would call the police on me and to be completely rejected like that was so painful. I didn't understand. It didn't make sense. Like, why would they turn on me? Why, why would all these people cut me out of their life? Now I see like I wasn't his child. So they just abandoned me like completely jumped ship is because he wasn't there to protect me. And a year later on Christmas day, I lost my grandmother, my mom's mom. And again, I was, I had my mother and uh, my uncle my mom's brother, verbally attacking me for, my grandmother had left me her house and they said that I didn't deserve any of it and that how dare she do this, how dare she leave me this and have again all these people turn on you. I still don't understand and I know that didn't have that one's, I guess, separate, <laughs> but it happened very close together. I lost the two most important people in my life. <laughs> I felt alone for a really long time. So <laughs> in October of uh, 2019, <laughs> or I guess I should say in <laughs> September of 2019, I did a DNA test. I decided this is the year I'm going to find my brother. I am going to find my family. I've lost so much family. I want to find my brother. And so I did this DNA test and I didn't tell anyone that I did it. I just, I had already bought it, but I didn't want to tell anybody that I was had actually sent it in. So October 29th of 2019 is when I got my results in. Now, <laughs> two days before Halloween, you already know that I like to dress up as clown. I hadn't done that in years, but you know, I like to dress up. So I um, had a team meeting, a team uh, Zoom meeting, and uh, I decided that with it being Halloween week, let me dress up. So I put on this 
blue wig and I put on this crazy makeup and I never wear makeup. I think I even went as crazy as to put um, this black lipstick on. Like I looked crazy and it's not who I ever look like. But (laughs) trying to paint the picture of (laughs) I went out in public like this. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So after my Zoom meeting, I dressed up for that specifically. So I, I left the Zoom meeting and I went to get lunch and I went to my favorite local restaurant, um, which is um, a, like I can kind of cheat on my diet and eat there. <laughs> so it was a little bit later in the afternoon. So the lunch crowd was gone. I actually ended up being the only person in there thank goodness. So I am sitting there with my blue wig and my crazy makeup and sitting alone at a table eating my food. And I get that email that says my DNA results are in and I am beyond excited. Like I woke up so excited that day. Everything's going like just, (laughs) it was sunshine and rainbows that day. (laughs) And I looked down at my phone. I see this email. I, I open it up and I'm so excited. It says, I did 23 me. I don't know if I said that. So it, it pops up and it says you have three close relatives. And I just know in this moment, I found my brother. Like that is what I'm thinking. I found him. I, it has taken me this many years but I finally found him and I open it up and it says my bio father's name, 50% shared DNA father. And I sat there shocked, just absolutely shocked. Like this, I, I logged into the wrong account. Like it's that initial denial, like what is happening? This is wrong. Something's wrong. And I'm thinking (laughs) this can't be real life. This, this isn't real. I can like, I I click on his thing. I'm thinking this, did I click into the wrong page? I click out. I, I, I make sure that I've signed into the correct thing. I like go back in. I, I see he's still there. So I said, okay. Um, (laughs) I texted my mother and I said, do you know who this man is? And she said, no. I said, well, I just got my results from 23andMe and it says this man is my father. And she said, no, that's not, that's not um, true. I got on Facebook and I looked him up and I just, I'm looking at his picture and I'm thinking, gosh, like this, this is true. Like the, like, is this true? Like, am I seeing this? Is this really happening? Like I'm questioning everything. And I look down at his pictures. There's a picture of him and uh, two of his three kids and his daughter and I look so much alike. I just immediately started bawling my eyes out. Now, again, I am in public. (laughs) Um, So I 
pick up my plate and I walk in um, because I haven't paid for my food yet. I I walked up to the owner and I said, can I get it to go? And I'm just weeping. And she just looks stunned. Like, are you okay? And I, I looked at her. I said, I just found out my dad is not my biological father. Can I get this to go? And my first reaction is my boyfriend is out of town and he is working nights and this is the middle of the day. He's still sleeping. I'm not going to call him. He needs to sleep. So uh, most normal people are like, no, I'm going to blow them up. I don't care. Like I need to call him. But I was like, no, I'll, I'll wait till he's awake. I can't do this. I can't do this to him. So I, <sighs> I call my best friend who's at work and she didn't answer, which I knew that it was taking a chance. I get in my car and I am close enough to my boyfriend's mom's work. And I drove myself to her work and I walked in and she sees me in this blue wig with black makeup everywhere and then I'm crying so like the black makeup is going down my face uh it's like a Halloween horror story like oh my gosh so his mom sees me in this like frantic state and she walks me into uh the back office and I tell her what's happening and she's she asked me she said well have you called your mom I just said I don't know that I can talk to her like I don't like I'm trying to process if this is real. It just does not feel like real life. Like my entire life has been a lie. And so I hadn't heard from her. Um, I forgot. So while I was at the restaurant, I did text her and said, I, you know, it's true. I've seen a picture on Facebook of his, um, him and his kids. I am his child. And so she went quiet. So I'd been at the shop uh, with his mom for maybe 30 minutes. And then my mom called and initially her reaction was, oh, well, you know, your dad's mom told me that, you know, there were, it couldn't be, um, anyone else's, but your dad's because, um, there was two weeks in between, um, me sleeping with the other guy. And I, it, it just, the story that she was coming up with it, she was putting all the blame on anyone else, but herself and like not taking accountability for what happened. And, I just said, okay, mom, sure. Okay. Let, <laughs> this is, this is where we are now. <laughs> We're just going to have to figure it out. Now that night I couldn't sleep. I couldn't sleep. I kept telling myself, okay, what do I do? Do I contact this man? Like, do I reach out to him? Like, what do you do? Like, I don't want to be impulsive, but in a situation like this, I become very impulsive. Like I need to speak to this person right now. Like I need to get it all out, figure it out. Let's, let's get it all, you know, get it all taken care of right now. And I convinced myself, no, I need to sleep on it. I need to sleep on it. I slept maybe three hours, maybe like I, I could not sleep. All I kept thinking was like, this man needs to know I exist. If, 
if he doesn't have a relationship with me, I don't care. I need him to know that I exist. That's That was my main objective. So the following day, I finally got brave enough. I even got on Google and like <laughs> Googled, how do you tell a man <laughs> you're his child? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm sure we've all, <laughs> oh, I think some of us may have done that. I don't know. <laughs> I did. I. I didn't want to say the wrong thing. I want to make sure that I was saying the correct things. And so I sent him a Facebook message because I wasn't sure um, if he would respond on 23andMe. And I felt like if it came on Facebook, maybe it wouldn't, I wouldn't scare him. I wouldn't give him as big of a heart attack at first. <laughs> um, I think it's still a big heart attack moment, but um, I messaged him. So I found out the 29th. I messaged him the 30th. Let's see. 29th was a Tuesday. I messaged him on Wednesday. He responded Thursday morning. Um, and then we actually met Friday at the restaurant where I originally learned about him. I found out that he actually lived a few blocks away from me while I was in high school. I would make jokes <laughs> to my friends that I was the product of a one night stand. Now, I mean, <laughs> I still am. I'm just the product of the, the wrong one night stand. The, or when I say wrong, wrong to me, like it was the wrong one. I thought the enti my entire life. <laughs> when I say I am his kid, like I, my face, face, like I finally see who I look like. I know most people say that they, they look their entire life, like wondering who they look like. I didn't necessarily, I mean, I thought I resembled, like I had like a blended look of my mom and my dad. I just thought that's what it was. Like I was just a blend. Like I didn't look like either or. Um, now I know, I mean, I look you can't deny it. I'm his. <laughs> um, and with my sisters growing up, the three of us all look so different that I didn't really question it. It's not like they both resembled each other. They One looks like their dad. The other looks like um, our mom. So I, you know, I just thought I took after my dad's side of the family, but he didn't have a really big family. So I just thought maybe... I got my looks from like a, a great aunt or something like that. And they even said that to me at one point. So I didn't really search for my looks, but I don't have to search now. <laughs> but we met that Friday. I met him and his wife and it was a really great meeting. Um, I mean, you know how you meet people and it can be awkward. And I am socially awkward when I first meet people. I've been told that my second impression is my better one <laughs> instead of my first impression because I can be a little socially awkward or nervous or whatever in the first meeting. And meeting them, like it, it just flowed like the entire time, like our conversation. And I've even said to his sisters, I never felt that type of like parent um, child um, connection 
on that level. I don't know how to explain it. Like I just, I've never met an adult like that where I just connected on that level. Like I'm his kid. Like I, our personalities are so similar. Like we just, I, I feel like I found home. Like that's my, my DNA home. Like I found it, if that makes sense. So after that initial meeting, I talked to him, I think every single day for an entire month. And I just was, I was excited at the chance of having this bonus dad, this bonus parent, because I've, I've lost my two parents. So now I'm thinking I'm getting this bonus parent. I'm beyond thrilled. Like I'm so excited. Um, the very first thing that I ever said to him um, in that first initial message was, I don't want to um, disrupt your life. Like, I don't want to come in and like bulldoze over his life or be the cause of any problems. That's always been my main thing. Like, I didn't, I want to be a part of your life, but I don't want to <laughs> hurt it in any type of way. And I, I don't know what happened. Um, things I, I don't feel comfortable saying, but I, you know, things happen and, um, I, I, you know what I, I, <laughs> I am going to say it. He was given the, the choice of between me and his family and I told him that he should choose his family because I still like, I believe that like, I don't want to come between anybody, all three of his children, one of them. And I spoke for a few months and then I haven't talked to him and the other two uh, siblings want nothing to do with me. And that really hurt because I love family so much and then to be rejected by people that haven't even met me or spoken to me at all just hurt. And I keep telling myself that, you know, maybe this is just how they're processing and how they're dealing. And maybe one day they'll be open. And I want to try to keep myself open to that, that maybe one day they will want to be a part of my life doesn't take away from the pain that I feel right now. But I am hopeful because I do love my siblings so much. <laughs> um, which actually I skipped over that whole part. So after I got the results from a DNA, <laughs> I said, well, you know what? I um, can't, can't get any crazier than this. So I did the... Uh, ancestry DNA and um, on January 1st, 2020, I had woke up that morning. I said, this is the year I'm going to find my brother. I'm going to find him. Like I'm, he is going to be in my life. And I did that day. I got my results from ancestry and I found him, which was incredible. So, um, and he and I, I mean, <laughs> I absolutely love having him in my life. Like he is the brother I, he fits into my life. Like he has always been there. Like it just, it's been a great relationship. Like I love having him. He has been 
one of the one of the best things that's come out of this whole thing. <laughs> that and my bio dad's sisters, they have been so amazing. Absolutely amazing. They have never once um, made me feel rejected. Um, they've absolutely brought me in and been like, well, your family, <laughs> DNA, your family, we love you no matter what. And I just, I love that. Um, I think I missed that for so long, like not feeling like I was truly a part of a family in that way. And so to have that just is really beautiful. <laughs> speaking of my aunts, I'm actually, I have a picture of me and my aunt that is sitting on my office desk. I think it is the most beautiful, pure moment. And I just love it. I like, it's one of my favorite pictures in my office. Well, in my house, it's one of my favorite pictures. I do hope that one day, like I can have a relationship with my siblings and have a better relationship with my bio dad. I do talk to him periodically. I don't get to talk with him as much as I would like or spend time with him as much as I would like. What I've learned with losing my dad and my grandmother um, and having such strong bonds and relationships with them and with all the family drama that happened with each of them, like, both of them left me things and then being told that I wasn't allowed to have those things or I didn't deserve those things, any of that. Now, like my focus, I don't, I don't want things. I want time. I want time with these people, like as much time as I can get, because that's way more valuable to me than anything else. And I do hope that I can have that. How about your two original sisters from your family of origin? Do they know you're an NPE? Yes. Um, I immediately told both of them. Their reactions, even all of my family, <laughs> their reactions were like, yeah, this is your life. My, uh, two of my cousins, I called them to tell them and they both, both of them, same exact reaction was, yeah, well, this is your life. Of course this happened to you. <laughs> like, thank you for your love and support. <laughs> the first three months, like after finding out, I will say that it was incredibly hard, um, which most MPs know, like it. I honestly think that had I not worked on myself earlier in the year and really became self-aware and like focused on healing myself and my like childhood traumas, I would not have been in the mental space to actually handle any of this because right after like I, and I've still like, I've tried to keep a positive attitude about all of it. Like I do think I met him at the right point in my life. Um, yes, I wonder what if, but when I think what could have happened if he had been my dad growing up, I think I wouldn't have had my sisters. Um, he wouldn't have had his three children like, and so that like sets aside that what if for me, 
because things are supposed to happen for a reason. Like I met him at the right time in my life. However, like when I, that first three months, like I was devastated for my dad. Like all I kept thinking was all the things that my mom put my dad through, all the awful times, all the horrible things that she said about him growing up, all the times she would scream at him about child support and everything, all the crap she gave him about child support and making everything about money with him. Like he could have had, like I think about his life and I, I think I mourned again, like losing him because I was so hurt for him and the fact that I was his only child and now he didn't have any children that broke my heart because he was such an incredible man. Like he should have been able to have children like left to carry on his legacy. And like, I, (laughs) I can't do that for him, at least not in the DNA sense. But it broke my heart. Like, I just, I feel so bad and heartbroken for him. And it made Father stay. I'd finally gotten to a place where I could handle, like, surviving through Father's Day. And now it's hard. And sometimes, so actually, the last time that I met my bio dad, I, um, I was getting dressed and I put on one of my favorite sweaters, which happened to be my dad's. And I just broke down crying. And my boyfriend said, what, what's wrong? I said, I can't wear this. I have to go change. I feel like I'm dishonoring his memory by wearing it to, to me, my biological father. I know that, you know, doesn't make sense, but I do I, like, felt like I was dishonoring him in in some way, which I know is not true, but I still feel that way. Do you think your father knew? Yes. And the only reason I say that is because um, after a year, a year after I found out, I emailed my stepmother and I asked her, um, was there a chance that daddy knew I wasn't his? And she said, yes. She said, but that wouldn't have changed anything. Mm. And when I was, oh gosh, I think about 16, um, he told me, he said, you know, when you were little, your mom and I got into a fight and she said that you weren't my child. And I, you know, hearing him say that, like, I look back, I I replayed that moment over and over and over in my head. And I should have known, I should have known then, but I didn't. Because after he said that, I was like, of course, she would say that she was just trying to make you mad, dad, she would say anything to make you mad. Like, I didn't actually believe him. Like, I 100% believed he was my father. And I, 
I will say this, this is, this is a bit of a trigger warning for some people. I actually, I've been one year, no contact with my mom because I tried to have a conversation about her in the past and we were in public. So I thought if I calmly ask her this, maybe things would go okay. It wouldn't get derailed. But I asked her, I said, daddy had told me a long time ago that um, when I was about one, you had packed your bags and were ready to leave us. And her reaction was explosive. I mean, we're in public and she is explosive, screaming at me, saying that my dad beat her, that he molested me, that she went to the police, but my father was the police. So she couldn't, she couldn't have him like anything done about it. But I, I walked away from her that day and I, I mourned my mother. I knew that was the last time I could have a relationship with her because what mother, what mother would say that to their child, but what mother would allow their child to be alone with a man if they believe that he molested that child? Mm-hmm. How would you allow them to have custody? Why would your mother be okay with that? The mother that made sure like had communication with him. And especially when I was living with her, like they would communicate and making sure that I was on the right path and all the things in life. And my grandmother may not have liked him, but they had a relationship for me. And if she had ever suspected that she would have never let him be around me. I just know that, like, I know that about her character, but she would not have done that. And for my mom to say that, it just, it solidified everything that I'd been feeling. The therapist that I had had in early 2020 had said she was a narcissist and I didn't believe him. I didn't. And I think it took her saying those things to me for me to be like, okay, this is, this is what it is. And I need to walk away to protect myself because I can no longer be in a relationship where my mother is willing to hurt me continuously just to protect herself. Mm-hmm. Like for the longest time, that's, that's actually why I haven't, I didn't want children because I was terrified that I would be like her and I never wanted to put that on a child. So it's either, it's, it's easier not to have children to make sure you're not that type of mother. Now it's like, (laughs) okay, I know I'm not going to be that, but there's still that fear. Well, Stacy, thank you so much for sharing this with me. You have an assignment today, a day of self-care. Yes. Self-love, right? Right. Going through this, talking about the treatment, talking about the truth, remembering all of this stuff. It is, whew, it's 
painful, very painful at times. Very. And are you okay with people contacting you if they want to reach out after they listen? Yes. Thank you so much. Because so many times people do ask me, they write to the show and they say, I want to connect with this person. Uh, Stacy, if people wanted to get in touch with you, how could they do that? Um, through NPE Stacy at gmail.com. And Stacy is S T A C E Y at Gmail. I love that you have an NPE email address. I have one too. (laughs) (laughs) I want to talk to you afterwards, so don't hang up. Okay. But thank you. Thank you so much for sharing with me today with all of us your story, your discovery of your DNA surprise, and everything that has happened to you since finding out. I really appreciate it. Thank you for allowing me this space. These stories are here for us to identify with. If you are an NPE and would like to share your story, email npestories at gmail.com. You do not have to give any identifying information. If you are an NPE and would like to share your story, I'd like to hear from you. Subscribe to this podcast to hear more. Come heal with us.